Welcome to The Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. Today I want to talk about hard times. I want to talk about stress. And I know that's not exactly a unique sermon topic. It's not even a unique topic. But as I'm recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 quarantine, stress is something we're all feeling in ways that we never thought we ever would or could. It's all unique to us. Part of the reason I started this podcast is because being a single parent brings on unique stressors. Things that those who either don't have kids or have kids and have a significant other or still married don't have or have in their own ways. And all of us have our own individual stresses and how we handle that and how we look at those things really shapes how we view the world. It shapes how we view other people. It shapes how we handle situations when they come up. So I want to talk about our perspective today. What does it mean to handle a hard time well? And the first kind of hard time I can think of is when we're lacking in something. You know, the big thing that a bunch of people have been lacking for a lot of the time that we've all been in quarantine is toilet paper. Because things started and everybody went and bought all of the TP in all the stores. And I went to stores a couple of times to get stuff and I have never seen an aisle as barren as I have seen paper. Toilet paper, paper towels, all gone. The only time I ever saw shelves that bare, I was 16 and I was working at Best Buy that was just opening. So they hadn't literally put anything on the shelves ever. That's how empty the shelves were. I did an Instacart and one of the things I put on my list was toilet paper, not expecting that I would get them. There was a ton of stuff on my list that had to get substituted out. And I realized after the whole process was over that I never got a notification about the toilet paper. I didn't get it canceled. I didn't get a, had to be replaced. I got nothing, which either means the person who did the order messed up or they had toilet paper. And when the guy delivered the groceries, sure enough, in one of those bags was the toilet paper. And I looked at him, I said, I'm surprised they hadn't. He went, me too. See, that's a thing that was lacking but it's about perspective. Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. This is another one of those sets of verses that if you've been to church or you Googled Bible versus anxiety, Bible versus stress, this is the first result. This is Google SEO search engine optimized to be the first thing. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns that your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And it goes on to more examples, more examples, more examples. And this is the verse I want us to focus on for this part of the message is verse 33. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's important. That attitude is important. Solomon was the wisest king that Israel ever had. But why? Well, we're told that God appears to Solomon and says, Ask me for any one thing, and I will give it to you. And Solomon says, Give me wisdom. What's your answer to that question? God appears to you supernaturally, asking me for one thing, and I will give it to you. What is your answer to that question? I don't think any of us would say wisdom. Most of us probably go, uh, uh, uh. We'd run through all the problems in our head. What's the thing? What's the thing that I need the most? What's the thing that I need the most? What's the thing that I need the most? Solomon says wisdom. And God says, because you asked for wisdom, I will give it to you. And because you didn't ask for wealth or riches or fame or all these other things, I'm going to give all those to you too. Because the first thing that Solomon asked for wasn't material. It was wisdom. He wanted God's wisdom in his life. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, let me make something clear. That doesn't mean you do nothing. If you have a money issue, if you don't have a job, which right now is a whole lot more people than should be because of the whole virus thing. If you don't have a job, if you have a money issue, do not spend all your days sitting in your house and just praying. Polish your resume. Go out and find a way to get some income. This is not God saying, sit back and do nothing. This is God saying, seek me first. Because when you're pursuing after God's will, then, end of verse 33, all these things will be added to you. God knows what you need. But Matthew 6, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know I'm, I like context. Matthew 6 talks a lot about your physical needs, clothes, food, shelter. God will give you these things. Well, it also says we know life is more than those things. So what about the more? What if you're good with shelter and food and toilet paper? What if your needs go deeper than that? Does God just not, he just wants you to be anxious about that stuff? No. Those verses say, don't be anxious about anything. Who can add a single hour? How many hours have we all lost? I've lost days. I've lost days just this year to worry. Over the course of my life, I have no idea. Who can add an hour? You could worry about these things, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And that doesn't mean be unsafe. It doesn't mean don't consider things before they happen. But there's a difference between consideration and planning and worrying. Worrying has its basis in fear, which is something that God says you have not been given a spirit of fear. There's a difference between caution and worry. But I digress. What if you're worried? What if you're cautioned? What if your things is more than just your physical needs? 
What if it falls into that category of, is not life more than food, because you've got food? Well, Romans 8, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, let's make something really clear. All things does not mean everything that you want. It does not mean God says yes to everything you ask God for. Now, if you've seen the movie Bruce Almighty, there's a scene where Bruce suddenly gets the power and he he gets the power of God and he makes a computer to process all these prayer requests and he's sitting there and it shows him typing all these answers and then he just sort of hits auto reply yes to everything and the next day like the world is in chaos because everybody got all the things that they wanted so when it says god will give us all things i don't think it means everything that you want i think it means god takes care of everything that we need including the deeper emotional stuff the spiritual stuff he takes care of all our eternal life that's all things the thing is it doesn't always come the way that we expect i heard this story now i don't know if this story is a real story as in true story or if this is just hyperbole that somebody told once but i think the illustration is important there's a man driving down the road he was going home and he felt God tell him, Hey, turn down this road. And he kind of got confused. Like why? And God was like, just go down that road. Guy's like, okay, it's not that far out of the way. So he goes down the road and he's driving and he hits like a convenience store. And God says, I want you to go in there and buy a gallon of milk. And the guy's like, okay, we could use milk. At home, there's never anything wrong with having another gallon of milk. Sure. So he gets the gallon of milk, gets back in the car. He starts driving, and God says, turn here, turn here, turn here, turn here. And as he's continuing to turn, he notices that the neighborhood is getting rougher. And he's starting to really question. This doesn't make sense. I don't want to be here. Like, I'm just going to turn around. But he's following the, the God positioning system, the GPS that's going on right now. And he's going down. He feels God say, okay, stop at that house. I want you to go knock on the door. (laughs) He's like, are you crazy? These people are going to think I am nuts. Just coming up and knocking randomly on somebody's door. And God says, take the milk and go knock on the door. The guy gets up, goes and knocks on the door. And after a little bit of time, somebody opens the door. It's hello. And the guy from the car stands there and says, hi, you don't know me. And I'm not sure entirely why I'm here. I just felt like God wanted me to bring you this. And hands the guy a gallon of milk. And the guy's eyes get really wide and he he calls in his wife from the other room. And his wife is holding a baby. And the guy says, I just lost my job. And we just ran out of milk for the baby. 
We didn't know how we were going to feed our child. So thank you. Thank you so much. The man from the car walked away crying because you never know what God is going to do. You can never know how God is going to provide for a need that you have. We always have ways in our mind that we want God to provide, that we think it should happen, how it should happen. In our minds, we always have this picture of God, I need this and I need it done this way. Could God do it that way? Yeah. Will he? I don't know. Neither do you. And we have to stop doing that to God. It hurts our relationship with him. We serve, we believe in a creative God. Just look at the world around us. If you can't go outside right now, look out your window. The trees and the sky. And even look around your house. Sure, you could say that God didn't create Samsung. But God made people. God allowed for all of the creation of all the technology that we have, that you're listening to me right now, that maybe you watch your church on right now, that you listen to your music on. God allowed all of this stuff to happen. So we could be here right now sharing this moment together to glorify him. At places like Spotify. What does that even mean? What is Spotify? On Google Play or Apple Podcasts, In a world of technology, those are words that mean something because we know what they mean. But if you were to talk to somebody who doesn't know what an iPhone is, who doesn't know that Apple is a company, only knows it as a fruit, they're going to be very confused. But God puts meaning in all of these things. He uses all of these things. So we can't limit God to only being able to function in our lives this way or that way. I talked in an episode not long ago about discernment. With discernment, you can tell what direction God is coming from. You'll know what's from him and what isn't, and you'll be able to accept what's from him, even if it's coming to you in a way that you don't expect. And when you come to this understanding, when you can accept that You don't know how God's going to work, and you're not going to try to force him to work your way. When you can accept that, suddenly, a lot of those hard times that you face aren't as hard. You spend less time worrying about, is God going to provide? And spend more time looking for the opportunities. It's easier to see God in life when you stop thinking that you know how God works. Now, he's never going to operate in a way that's outside of his character, that's outside of the boundaries of his word. So you need to know it. You need to get in the word so you understand that part. You have to have that relationship, that prayer time. Your discernment is going to be off if you're not spending that time with God, who is the one who gives you the discernment. Because something can sound real spiritual, and be absolute nonsense. And you need the discernment from God to be able to pull those things apart. And when you can, you're less confused. You worry less. And maybe those things don't immediately solve the problem that you have, 
but they make it easier to go towards the solution. One more thing about this, and then I'll move on, because I did just do a whole episode on discernment. Where our focus is matters. What you in your mind limit God to be able to touch in your life surprisingly matters. See, God wants all of us, wants all of our lives to be submitted to him, but we're really bad at that. We like to pick and choose God's blessing like it's a menu. God bless my finances and bless my family. Don't really want you to work on my attitude. Don't really want you to fix my prejudices, my mindset. Don't just leave that stuff out. I, I could use a better job, but just, just leave that other stuff out. It doesn't really work like that. And that can make things harder too. Because what if the thing that's holding up God's blessing for you in the area of your life that you're focused on is something in one of those areas of your life that you're not letting God touch? What if your attitude is the reason that you're not getting the job, the promotion, the raise? What if your mindset is the reason that your relationships aren't working out, but we only want God to work on the things that we are worried about and don't see the connection to the other stuff. And the big part about that is that other stuff is what God wants to work on. God wants our hearts and our minds to be healthy and full of him. And when we do that, when those things are in place, that other stuff flows from it. It's like if you broke a bone and then when you went to the doctor and the doctor said, okay, we need to set we need to set everything back in place and we need to put it in a cast, we need to wrap it up, we need to hold it, it needs to heal, it needs time. And you were just like, can we just clean up the blood and put a band-aid on it and I'll just walk it off? You can't do that, but that's what we do to God all the time. We just want to deal with the little parts or the parts that we're focused on and not actually fix the thing that's causing the problem. If you try to walk off a broken leg, you're still going to have a broken leg. We have to let his healing happen and understand that it's not instantaneous. Even super glue takes time to set. But now let's talk about one more thing. One more type of hard time. And that's the hard time that doesn't go away. That's the hard time that isn't about lacking needs. It's not about lacking support. It's not about emotional health, spiritual health. It just doesn't seem to go away. Like no matter how close you get to God or how good things are, you always have a temper. Or you always struggle with the language that you use. Maybe you don't like being in crowds of people. Like God, you told us to evangelize, but I just don't like being in groups of people that are very large. What do you do with that? Well, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, is talking about boasting, talking about somebody who got caught up into the third heaven and can't talk about the things that he saw. And then he says this, starting in verse 7, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, 
so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There are just things that we are always going to struggle with. Always. There are going to be things that we are going to have to continually, regularly give over to God over and over and over again. See, sanctification is a process. Becoming holy is a process. Becoming more like God is a process. Spoiler alert, we're not God. We won't be perfect. And that can be a great discouragement, especially if you're a perfectionist. That can make us give up because we feel like we're supposed to hit this plateau, this mountaintop of now I am perfect. I am like God. I have no weaknesses. I do not struggle anymore. No, just no. When Saul gets knocked off his horse and he's blind for three days, And God calls Ananias to go pray for him. God says something to Ananias. He says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. And now in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about the suffering. We don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. The general understanding that I've heard a lot is that he had some kind of illness. But we don't know. But Paul's perspective on this was really interesting. Not just the part that we've heard, if you've been in church a lot, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Not just my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Not I am content with my weaknesses. That's not the part that I want to talk about today. It's this part. Which is a little redundant. If you read the sentence, it literally says the same word twice. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Paul's perspective was that this thorn in the flesh was present to stop him from being conceited, from being prideful. That's a good thing. Let's say it again. That's a good thing. We know that God resists the proud. We know that being conceited is bad. But we don't like having bad times. We don't like to struggle with something. We don't like to be weak. But Paul had to be weak. He had to have a weakness. Because without one, he would become conceited and prideful. And he understood that eventually. I say eventually because as he prayed three times for God to get rid of it. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's where that comes in. We have weaknesses. Don't like to accept that. We don't want to accept that. But we have to. I have to. You have to. The reason it's the body of Christ is because we can all perform different functions, but for the same purpose. And my weaknesses 
probably won't be your weaknesses. And we can all balance each other out that way. That's a good thing. You're not supposed to be able to do everything. And you don't need to struggle alone. The running theme in all of these verses is that God is there for you in all circumstances, in all of your needs, in every single thing, whether you have a physical need, an emotional need, a mental need, or whether you're just struggling with something that won't go away. God is there and God is enough. God will always provide something to take care of you. If you let him, if you don't go get in the way, if you build your relationship and seek his kingdom first, build that relationship, get that discernment, he will provide for you. I mean, he provides for everyone. Last I checked, you're not excluded from everyone. But if you want it to be less of a struggle, if you want to be able to do, like I talked about in the last episode where Paul and Silas were singing while they were in prison. If you want to have that kind of peace in trying times, in whatever trials you're facing right now, seek his kingdom first, and then follow his lead and take care of business. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are always here for us. For anything we need, anything we're going through, all the time, you are here for us. God, I pray that we would open our hearts to you, that we would be able to follow your direction and receive your provision, whether that provision is physical or mental or emotional. Maybe we need correction. Maybe we just need something extra in our lives. God, that we would be open to accepting what you send us. Grant us the discernment to know what's from you what's from the enemy. Help us to accept our weaknesses. Help us to accept your grace in those places. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod. You can email me at thesingleparentpreacher at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, for your time. I hope that this message has been uplifting and helpful and maybe a little challenging. Until next time, remember, God is providing for you.